we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Fights a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a tie to Andrew John. Bruce Street from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Ladies and gentlemen, you have made it to the end of the season here with the Bay 53 podcast. We're doing something a little bit different tonight. Um, we think that we've all earned a more relaxed, easygoing, hopefully enjoyable final, grand final slash season review episode. Bretto. Um, you didn't get the chance to have a chat with Nagy and Joe while you were off on the long-term injured list. So we've brought them in to close out the season after a very, very long year. Well, we got a grand final this weekend, boys. How good? I can't believe I'm saying this. How good is rugby league? <laughs> rugby league's amazing when your team doesn't suck ass. It's as simple as that. It is who simple was, as that. Who was I saying it to? It's... It's just amazing to me how much damage a group of women have been able to uh, fix in the space of a few weeks. Like what they've achieved over the last few few weeks for my love of rugby league, for my love of the Knights, I think for the brand, the Newcastle Knights, has just been incredible to to sort of watch and enjoy. I think that's the main point. They've they've fixed the brand. They've got fans back feeling it because we weren't feeling it. You know, no. two months ago, this town, and I just asked, this town was done with the Knights, absolutely done with them. And the girls have got got the the whole branding of the, the thing back on track. So West must be ecstatic with that. Joe, Nagy, are you feeling the Knights again? Have I taken the, have I taken it a step too far there? Or are you <laughs> are you right on board with um, with what the NRLW team is doing? Well, I'll come out and, uh, and admit that last year, uh, seeing the uh, the inaugural season and, and the sort of, you know, the, it was a challenging year and there was no wins there and I couldn't really get behind it. But by God, I've jumped onto this bandwagon and uh, full steam ahead. I can't wait for the GF, you know. I, I can pretend like I was there, uh, you know, right the way through and, and, and sort of join them with their struggles uh, and can reap the rewards. But instead, I've just... Really, uh, as, as we've all stated, you know, left this very depressing uh, run of, of the male teams, and now we jumped on the female, <clears throat> and we've jumped on the females. We'll leave it there. That <laughs> now, because uh, Nagy, I, I'm going to correct you there, if only to emphasize just what an yeah. incredible turnaround it has been. 
it wasn't a winless season last year. It, it was a winless season a few months, like a few months ago, like a few, like several weeks ago. That's how, that is just how amazing the turnaround has been for this this team. And yeah, people say, oh, you got a new coach. Oh, you recruited well. Rugby league has shown us, and it is it it has just consistently shown us that you cannot, um, you can't fabricate uh, success. You, you can't just and the ninety because the ninety five ninety six eels will tell you that you can't just bring together a whole bunch of players and say, well, you're all good, so be good together. The, the turnaround in this team is just uh, unrivaled. It, it's it's certainly not anything that we've had we've been able to witness in terms of uh, a Newcastle Knights team before. I'm reminded of, I think it was Roger Waters from Pink Floyd who said, um, money can't buy you happiness, but it'll let you park your yacht right next to it. And <laughs> so while I can respect what you're saying there, Carlo, you can't buy success, but when you bring in Tamika Upton and Millie Boyle, you park your yacht right next to it. Joe, you, you've mentioned the big two, and they're the, the, the two of what we, Bretto and I consider to be the five key players. Let's let's get straight to Millie Boyle. Let's just talk about, uh, I tweeted over the weekend, the best prop in the game at the moment. What, I mean, because Bretto, you were saying to me earlier today, man, we must have sold our souls to get that 97 grand final moment because we, we haven't had much, you know, to be happy about since. Has Millie Boyle broken that streak? Is she is she the new chosen one? And I say that knowing that there are so many quality players in this NRLW side. But for me at the moment, she's, she's the top of them. She's the number one, like the best player in, our, in the Knights uh, club at the moment. Oh, there's no doubt she's the best player in the club. My um, One thing I will say, when you make a great point with that Parramatta team, they try to put together the 90s and it's just not working and being a disaster. To me, Millie is the reason why this has worked. Be- for two reasons. Because of the leader and the character she's on the field as a person, but also the fact that she's in the middle of the field setting the standards. And that was the key buy. Tamika is, is the cream on the top. And, you know, we've got the other girls around them. But Billy was such a smart buy because she literally lays the foundation on and off the field. And it's exactly how the Chiefs did it in the 90s. You know, yeah. Chief, the Knights were the Chief for a reason. The Chief was the best player, but the Knights were the Chief. And I think the same reason. I, think, I actually don't think Millie's the, be, the best in inverted commas player in the team, but she's, but she's the reason why they're good. Can I ask who you do think the best player in the team is, Brado? Oh, Tamika Upton's the most talented, no doubt at all. Is but is Tamika the most? Because I think Jesse Southwell is the most talented. But you're probably right. Tamika at the moment is is probably the like the best perform best player. I know, I know. I sort of said Millie Boyle. I feel like I'm trying to have my cake and eat it too. Millie Boyle's the best. Oh no, but Tamika's best. I, I, I want to talk about Tamika's game breaking try against the Dragons on. Sun- have you boys had a chance to look back at that? A, a dart from yeah, Dummy yeah. Hart. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was absolutely. You know, it, it seemed like she was set at a different speed. It was almost yes, like yes. the television was set up. <laughs> it's like when you were playing uh, John Alomu Rugby 95, like back in the day, and you'd yeah. set it to beginner level. And you just kept your finger on the X button so that he was running at a million miles an hour and no one else could. That's how good she looked against, and let's be clear, a good Dragon side. The, 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 the Dragons really were the third best team this season. And she made them look pedestrian. That's that's elite. That is a world class talent. It's kind of what we thought we'd get from KP 
Yes. Just that ability just to pick up the ball and go, I'm going to score now. I hate it. I'm going to score. It's so frustrating that you say that because, unfortunately, with what's happened with KP, you know, particularly this year and the way it, you hate to say something like that because it almost sounds like you're jumping on the, yeah. you know, oh, why can't the guys do it? But it's uh, that's exactly what I was – because I was looking at Tamika and I was like, yeah, that's 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 what we thought KP would be doing in the men's, and you're just like, ah, oh, so, so I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I, and the thing with Tamika is like, as much as you know, all the things are in common. You know, she's a Queenslander, she's a fullback, all that sort of similarity with KP. There, she's actually the same player in KP in terms of. I don't know whether she makes everyone around her better in terms of like a, a lot, a lot better. She makes them better, but her abilities in what she can do individually. And I think KP has got away from that. Like he's trying to be the man and, and the ball player and that. And I think if he actually just played a bit like more like Tamika and said, well, I'm going to take this game by the scruff of the neck, I think he'd be better for it. I, I, I really like what you've said there, Brett. I really think that um, you mentioned her as the cream on the top before of an already, uh, you know, confident and, and well-structured side. Uh, and I, I have to agree. There's something that you said earlier in the season uh, regarding the men's team, but I think it applies well to the, the women's team as well, Bretta. It's um, you mentioned how um, quite often a forward pack will benefit from from different sort of uh, sized and shaped players and the way that they they hit the line. And I think we've got that. You know, as you said, I think the criticism of the Knights is we we tend to go for big and tall right across the park and. Uh, and you, if you look at, say, Parramatta, where you've got different built players like Junior Paulo and Regan Campbell-Gillard running into the line and, you know, the defensive line constantly having to adjust. I think we've got that same approach with, like, Millie Boyle and, and Caitlin Johnson as well. Both mm. have a certain ferocity to, to the line, but both have a very different approach as well. And, and I think that, you know, when you've got, like, a really uh, diverse board pack and, and that they all do their all have their own strength areas. I think it just it just adds to this really uh, eclectic but really solid mix of, um, of of attack. It just just rolling through the middle, and you got people like Yasmin Clydesdale, uh, you know, attacking the edge as well. It's it seems like um, the engine room is, is is just operating really really well balanced. I would say. If you sat down to, with a rugby league coach and said, "Build me the perfect forward pack in terms of the way they play and the way they're built." That Knights, if Hannah was playing, if Hannah was still at lock, that Knights pack is actually built perfectly. You've got your hard-working beta-reader prop. You've got your yeah. dynamic front-off-the-back fence prop. You've got your hooker that uh, does lovely work around dummy half, and then you've got a, a 14 that comes on and is a speed machine on dummy half. You've got two edges that used to be backs, so they've got great leg speed, but they're also strong. And you've got your know, workhorse lock forward. It's, it's built absolutely perfectly the way a forward pack should be. It, I'm just going to jump in and, and say, Taylor Bredabon is my favourite of all of them, and uh, <laughs> like, and that's a that's a big call. But I just love what she brings as well. Yeah. Like, like that's that's I don't know what number you call the other other prop, sixteen. Um, but like, you when when you're talking that much depth in the middle as well, that that you can bring on someone as your your um your first interchange who also offers that kind of dynamic play it's it is like you say brett i don't know that you could ask for anything better it's it is just about perfect i think it's i think it's something in the in the ailers boys because 
you talk about Taylor Pritabron. I, I want to give a shout out to um, Kayla Romaniuk as well, because because you, you said it yourself, Brett. You know, this this pack doesn't have Hannah Southwell. Like that that is such a massive loss. And yet, it, it, Kayla has sort of come in and like she's replicated it to the extent. It's almost like they said, "Can you put the headgear on as well to make her sister feel a little bit more at home?" Like I think Kayla has really stepped into that role. You know, the big shoes to fill. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. You've got that size and that aggression in the front row. You've got that strength and mobility on your edges. But Kayla has sort of come in unheralded in that 13 jersey. And she's the forward pack hasn't missed a beat. Yeah, and that's, and that's been a real a real focus, I think, with the way that team got built and the way that Ron's got them playing. There's actually never a drop-off. You know, whether, whether Millie's playing the first 50 straight or she plays 70 – or it's Caitlin's day to play the big minutes early. It doesn't matter because they've got the body tops that replace them. So if Caitlin comes off, Predabon will play good minutes because she's she's a very similar player to Caitlin. If Millie's the first to come off, yeah, they'll play um, yeah one of the more workhorse-oriented uh, middles. It's so well built. And I don't know – and there's obviously some luck to it because some of those girls have developed a lot this year. But whoever built that team, man, like put them in charge of the men's recruiting. Like it's built perfect. Yes. You've even got uh, players like you know, Yasmin Kleistel, who came, who I believe was predominantly playing on the outside backs formerly, although she did for New South Wales in her first year there, uh, to come into the back row to add that, just that, you know, the bit of edge speed to the, the forward pack as well. But I've got to, yeah. I know we're doing a lot of shouting out uh, to certain players here, but Emma Manselman was really oh, yeah. You know, oh, just yeah. for someone that's clearly like a, a smaller Zippier player, but my God, does she get through a lot of defence, defending right in the middle. Uh, and and also the versatility. I'm not sure if there's just uh, like a long lineage of of rugby league or whether it's touch football, but they all seem very very good with the hands, all willing to move the ball when needed. And and when it's it when it does seem like Plan A has not worked, they seem to have a Plan B ready there. Then they they all seem to gel remarkably well for. For a new team, it's, it was very impressive to watch over the last. I know few it's weeks. the case with the local girls. I'm not sure about the girls who come from North Queensland and that, but the local girls, because they grew up in League Tag, League Tag is so open. You know, it's a great ground because it's not touch footy; it's League. You know, it's it's League rules, yeah. but it's open like touch footy, and it's you can see the inner skill those girls have that they play. They've grown up playing League Tag. Um, but it's it's funny that you point out um, Manselman's size as well, though, Nagy, because as you say, brother, they grow up playing League Tag, and then. It must be quite the rude shock to be like, oh, okay, and now you've got to tackle players. And I know that a lot of a lot of your best players in the men's game, <clears throat> you know, Benji Marshall famously came from a, a touch background, but he grew into a pretty big body. And when they say, oh, he's a smaller body in the men's game, it's like, yeah, but he's still pretty bloody massive. Mm. Whereas, yeah, he's a big dude. Emma, Campy, looks cool. He's a big dude. Yeah, and with someone like Emma Manselman, like my brother pointed it out, he was like, "You know how sometimes they'll be like, oh, geez, she's twice her size.' It's with Emma Manselman, that is actually true. She's fifty kilos and she tackles people that are a hundred or more kilos. They're literally twice her size, and she's just fearless. And it it is something that is, um, something that the women's game has that is completely different as well. That those body shapes and types that we were discussing earlier, um, it does provide a completely different um sort of I don't want to say area, but you know what I mean, to the game, where I you do, can, yeah. when you're isolating people one-on-one, it can be an enormous difference. Emma Manselman takes me, but she reminds me of a PJ Marsh 
but that isn't oh, don't a, say that, but but, don't but she don't, don't well no but no but that she isn't a defensive liability like you know yeah. what i mean like she she can do it but because the the biggest knock on pj was that look we, we love what you offer us out of dummy half mate but you, you concede as many points as you contribute well that's not the issue that you have with emma you know that when she's because we'll leave, we'll lose her next season like surely she'll go back to North Queensland and play for yeah, them. Yeah, she, she won't. She won't start with us. So she's gonna get there and start. Yeah. Which and you would not. You would not begrudge her that. But I think that's even more reason as to why we need to take advantage of having her in our side now and and winning yeah. that premiership this year. Because yeah, what what she offers off the bench, like there's every team in rugby in world rugby league would would love to have that option. Can I just say while we're while we're just in this area? that something that the women's side has managed to do in an evolving competition uh, is show success and they all look like they enjoy playing oh, yes. And it looks like they're exposing a culture that will attract other people to the club. So we lose mm. a Mansman. I'm sure there'd be people from, you know, St. George or Parramatta or one of the other uh, sides or one of the new sides or even, you know, that will see the Knights as I want to play like them, you know, I, and, and that that's something that Newcastle, um, Newcastle Club, right through the grades and the men's, you know, we haven't really had that in a long time. We haven't been this, we've been the side that um, recruitment wise, we haven't been able to, it's almost like a concession that, that, that a big player will come here, you know, oh, they're at the end of their career, or, oh, we've offered them a lot of money. You know, it's 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 a rare time that we find a really good signing that that's like, because they want to play at the Knights. And I think we'll we'll get that with the uh, with the women's side, which is really refreshing. Can I just just so we were you not a PJ Marsh fan, Nagy? That, <laughs> that, that triggered you. I just I surprised think, that reaction. At the time, I didn't. You know, I know he went through like he had he had a lot of things that he went through, and he came back after a serious injury and things like that. I just thought he was a bit yappy and a bit of a grub on the field. Uh, and I think it was probably it, look it probably would have been a game. Uh, where he was playing for Parramatta and, yep. uh, and, and and then just beating up the Knights, probably around 04. And I would have just gone, oh, I don't like that guy. Well, of course so, he was going to try and beat us up. He was still suffering hangover from 2001. I, <laughs> I, I always loved every time PJ Marsh performed against us because I was like, couldn't do it when it mattered, son. You're always <laughs> you're always trying to get one back up for us for the one game when you couldn't do it. Hey, hey boys, um, I, I don't want to be all um, all blokey about it and take it away from the women, but can we can we chat a bit about Ron Griffiths? Because I, I sort of feel he would hate the attention, and we won't talk about him for too long. But I, I sort of feel like his contribution to this team really should not be overshadowed. Did did you boys have a chance to see the post game presser with him and Millie, or have you seen any of his post game pressers? Yeah. Can I yeah, can I just yeah. come out quickly before before people have actually insightful things to say? I made a really cold take when there was a, the announcement that he was going to be the coach. And I said, and at the time I was holding out for like a mid-season recruitment for the Knights and I, 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 I messaged the Knights page like publicly and tried to call them out and say, this is a really poor read and oh, I'm, this is really poor uh, PA. And, and I was just like, but that was PR. She's like, that was just really wrong of me. Like, I was, <laughs> I was blind. It was right at the it's just right at the time I was trying to let go of the of the men's season and, and really come into terms with Will failing and and yeah and there was a big announcement and it was him as the coach and I just couldn't anyway. I just Aggie thought, tonight I, I no tonight so wrong. 
Tonight is very, or at least this episode is very not much the night for revisiting cr recriminations because we're going to very, do a very detailed deconstruction of, of Bretto's top six take uh, from um, preseason. But we will. But, so I do appreciate that you're, that you're throwing yourself uh, to the, you know, for forgiveness there because t this is the episode to do it. But um, Daggy, when when we're struggling mid-season and the big announcement yeah. to come out of the club is, don't worry, we've signed the Tigers' assistant. It's yeah. not unreasonable for you to be like, that's it. Yeah, Are you I, kidding me. <laughs> and I, I tend to agree with that because the club, like the club, knew what they were doing at the time. They absolutely knew what they were sort of playing on. They, they knew that Kalen was really the the big talking point at the time. I, I think in the, and I think they did Ron a bit of a disservice with the way they announced it because no one had an issue with Ron as the coach per se. It was more, come on, guys, you you know what your fans are going through at the moment. There are ways to approach this. Yeah, and that, that's a much that's a much uh, more uh, sensible approach to to that comment. Unlike me, that was just a bit bit of a you know keeping the wet blanket. But sorry, Bruno, I did I did uh, step all over you there when you were trying to um, say something actually uh, about the the topic rather than me just throwing my hands up at a ball. The the thing about the thing about Ron is like I, I've yeah in rugby league circles everyone knows about Ron. Like Ron's got a reputation as being as being a great fella. You know, he's, he's done the coaching tree the hard way, you know, like similar way, but, you know, he's, he's come from coaching nothing all the way through to where he is now. Um, the thing that I will say that Ron Griffiths is loved by everyone at any club he's ever been to, whether it's the ball boy or the owner or the, you know, the CEO, everyone loves Ron Griffiths. And that's reflected in how his teams play. His teams love him. Like, those girls love him, you know? And I'm, and I'm just going to say it now, and a, and a hot take alert, he will... Oh, hang on. Is this, is this the hot is, take this you were telling? This is the hot take I, I did. Oh! Yep. Warren Griffiths will be the coach of the NRL Newcastle Knights men's team next. Okay. Adam O'Brien will, will eventually get fired because, neither, you know, because I think that's just inevitable. Ron Griffiths will be the men's coach next. Well, a coach oh. being, a, you know, a coach being fired is pretty inevitable. Eventually, the longer a coach is in, unless they're a coach yeah, yeah. or they, they probably will get fired. However, that's I do. I, I tell you what, Brett, I really love a, a, a confident call. You know, even if it appears to be uh, uh, a cold take later on. It's a confident call, and I love the back one. So I, I'll. Uh, he's he's the I, best. He's the best coach in the club. There's no doubt, and and I and I know almost a fact that the club agree with me that he's the best coach in the club. You are listening to the Bay Fifty Three podcast. All right, so can I can I put that to task then, Bredo? Because I, I'm going to play a bit of devil's advocate here. As you know, I have liked to do on several occasions this year, and call me patronising if you if you if you will. Is there a no. Is there, <laughs> is there, though, a different level of scrutiny that comes with coaching the NRLW side over the course of seven weeks versus the NRL side over 25 to, well, one day, 29 weeks? Yeah, there's no doubt. And I would agree with you if Ron hadn't gone through where he'd been assistant coaches at men's team. And 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 uh, uh, Phil Gardner spoke last week that next year Ron will have both the women's teams, the Harvey Norman and the NRLW team, and that eventually will be transitioned to the assistant for a men's for the men's team. There is no doubt 
and and coaches got to come from somewhere. You yeah. know, where they come from, where they come from, coaches you're under twenties, or they come from coaching your cup team. They they have to come from somewhere where they have never been scrutinised like they will be as the NRL coach. That's just inevitable. All I know is that Ron Griffiths has the temperament and the knowledge of the game that he will handle that way better than Adam O'Brien has. I don't I don't I don't know personally he's better coach Adam O'Brien, but I know for a fact there's people the Knights I think he is. His his press conference on Sunday was and I mean it was so easy for that press conference to be anything after a 30 points to 6 win. It was very revealing to me that Ron chose sort of calm appreciation as the take that he wanted for his post-match press conference. And I sort of, um, cause, and the reason I say calm appreciation is because he didn't go down the, Oh, well, you know, the job's done, not done yet. Or, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll enjoy this moment. And, uh, but there are bigger things. No, no, no. This was a guy who wanted to talk about appreciating what the team had achieved. But what I loved about it was appreciating what it achieved within sharing it with the community. It, it's almost like, it, it's almost like the God, the rugby league gods were saying to Newcastle Knights fans, we're going to give someone a platform to tell you all the things that you've been waiting to hear off the back of a performance that you've been waiting to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 You're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right there. Like the contrast between not just him and AOB, but him and a lot of coaches at NRLW, NRL level, that his demeanor, his press conference does not change. They could get beat by 50, they could win by 50, and I guarantee you, it will not change. And he he won't get negative, he won't get negative, because that's just, he's not that person. He's a very positive, forward-thinking person. He coaches like that. And and all you need to know about Ron Griffiths is the fact that, irrespective of the result on Sunday, and all the things that will come with the plaudits of, you know, he wins wins the competition, Monday afternoon, he's going down to Nara to commentate the women's final for the Koori knockout. That's the person Ron Griffiths is. Yeah, wow. That's pretty special, isn't it? It's, it's, and he's um, doing it with Dean Withers, I want to say. Did I read that? Yeah, right? him and Dean Withers are both doing it. They both agreed they would go and do it irrespective of the result. How good is that? The, the, uh, the uh, opposition coaches um, getting getting together the day after the game to uh, to commentate. That's um, But, like, I think that really speaks to the whole spirit <clears throat> that seems to be permeating the women's game as a whole. Oh, um, yeah. I, I don't, you know... No, I will. Fuck it. Let's talk in generalizations. Do it, mate. Do it. Um, (laughs) My whole life life joke is generalizations. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, when when you see someone put on a massive hit, um, you know, like in in the women's game, oftentimes they'll get up like sort of laughing together, like sort of like, geez, you got me a good one. And that does seem to be the attitude that is is being brought. Um, And I I heard a really awesome story this week about – Sorry to, to pivot away from Ron. I'm more than happy to come back to it. But um, I heard a really awesome story about Millie this week and about how um, they were playing. I can't remember which game it was. It was. It must have been the Eels game. It was the Eels game because it was our last home game. Um, she's on the bench. Game's in uh, in the balance. It's the final minutes, but she was on the bench. It was before she went on for her closing stint. And um, uh, uh, one of the kids in the stadium a young young boy went up to like the fence line and said oh can can i get your autograph millie and his dad's mate who i'd spoken to had said look mate 
game's in the balance. She's like technically still part of it. She's sitting on the bench. She's not like in a tracksuit. She's about to run back on. I'm sure she'll give you her autograph later on in the day. Don't, don't tell me. Don't be disappointed if she, you know, if she just sort of ignores you or whatever. That's 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 not a reflection of her at the moment. Nah. Don't she tell goes me. Goes up, game's still on. She turns around and is like, "Yep, no worries." Goes over, gives the kid her autograph, goes oh. back, runs onto the field, and and the guy that told me the story was like, "I just don't know of any team in the any any bloke in the men's team that'd do that." And I was like, "I don't know of any bloke in the game that would do that." Like there is this like. What we are doing right now requires my total focus and is sacred. And that there was that attitude instead for Millie to be like, I'm not affecting the outcome right now. I can make this kid's day. Sure. Yeah, I'll take the, 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 the 10 seconds. Because Fox Sports can get a picture of that and say, look, wasn't there focused on the game? Well, no, I, I don't think there's any player that, because I, I think female players, they'd have a different apprehension about it where they'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm too worried to lose my focus. No, no, I've got to stay focused. So they wouldn't be doing it because they were upset. They'd be doing it because they didn't want to get distracted. The confidence of Millie to just take that all in and still want to do that, that's, oh, that's. Uh, that I, is- I, I do I do wonder whether the. The fact that it's still semi-professional it means it's fun. I of wonder course. whether that will change when the money yeah, increases, the, the you know the scrutiny increases, all those sorts of things. I hope it doesn't. I hope that the hope that the law it doesn't. But I just wonder why that when I, once it becomes a lot more scrutinised and a lot more money on the line, whether that will change. Look, I, I think it will, but I sort of see that as more reason to want to enjoy what the women's game is at the moment yeah, for what it yeah, is at the moment. Yeah. Joey was, because Joey was talking about, um, you know, the women's team and, and Jesse Southwell and how excited it And he sort of said something which unfortunately sort of would have the tendency to sound like, oh, you know, the game was better back, you know, way back when. But he sort of said, oh, I, the thing I love about the game at the moment is that they haven't, sort of um refined the game down to this this exact science where it's like there's this openness to it there's this um skill to it that you can just sit back and enjoy and he he said it it reminds me of when i was watching the the men's game when i was young or back in when we were playing it back in the 90s this is that's the game that i really want to watch and he said he said yeah it's pure footy and i've said on this pod before like i love women's basketball because it's not all slam dunks and show pony stuff. It's it's true basketball. And I think the women's footy is exactly the same. The wrestle hasn't taken over. You know, the robotic down the tram lines hasn't taken over. It's footy how we all remember footy when we were young. And I know that sounds a bit boomerish, but it's, it's just fun to watch. And actually, Gus Gould made a really great point back in the Holy Cup days. Oh, what is it with you people making me agree with Gus these days? <laughs> <laughs> he, he said the problem with the Holy Cup was... It becomes so scrutinised and so semi-professional that it took all the fun away from being a 20-year-old kid playing footy and it, t- it led to you know, a lot of mental health issues. And I just yeah. hope that doesn't happen with the NRLW. I feel like the way that the NRL has approached the NRLW is actually surprisingly refreshing in, in the way that they... I would have assumed if I, if, you know, five years ago you said, oh, the NRL was going to put a women's team on, they would have either... You know, they would have made it a 20 round season, only one game a week would be televised. It would yes. be, you know, it would be, it, they try to juice everything they could out of it, but give no one an opportunity to follow it. But giving these sort of short seasons, bookending the, the men's season, while, while the, you know, the tempers are still quite high for, for rugby league, 
um, has, has given, I think, everyone the opportunity to sort of, uh, I guess you could say, co-watch. You, you haven't switched off from the men's game and you can only watch the women's game. You sort of, in, you've got a foot in, in both parks, but you, you're enjoying the game itself and, 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 and sort of almost as we've, we're doing right now, comparing how different they are. And, and I think, you know, I'm ready for an expansion now. I want to see more women's teams in there. I want to see longer um, seasons. And mm. that's exactly what they're doing next year. And that's, I think, for some reason, I don't know why, I don't know who's running the WNRL or the NRLW, I should say, but they, but whoever that is should be running the entire competition because they've done it really well, in my opinion. And that might also be slightly because the, the Knights are in the grand final. So I've got to... <laughs> no, I, I do know what you're saying, uh, Nagy, because, uh, and I'm going to touch on a controversial area where I actually am going to compare the NRLW to the AFLW. I think the NRLW nailed it by... Uh, planting a small seed and giving something to grow. Because I, I remember when the four-team comp was announced and there was there were actually criticisms of the NRL that they weren't taking the women's game seriously because they were pointing to the AFL going, well, they've got, they've got a six- or seven-week comp. Like, they've got lots of te- – why are you only giving us four teams with only three rounds and a grand final? You obviously don't ca- – and whether or not – I genuinely don't know how the NRL felt about the comp. But whatever they felt about it, it was the right approach because they uh, sort of pointed the, you know, uh, all of the quality into these few games to give it room to grow. And it's it, it's always felt like it's been a natural a natural growth the way the competition has given gotten bigger. I know that there are some concerns that they might have gone a step too far next year. But for fuck's sake, if you're going to be fearful of taking a step forward, well, you're never going to grow. So, I was I, I was critical of the idea of four new teams next year, but I've actually had a bit of a think about it, and it's it's the right move in so much as there's really good players that now don't have NRL W contracts or, or play regularly. Like someone like Caitlin Moran, like you know, she barely gets to play for the night, so she'd be a starting halfback easily for one of the new teams if she wants. There's a lot of players at that standard. There's a lot of young girls that next year will be ready to play NRLW that this year probably aren't quite. Um, I think next year the standard will drop slightly because of the four new teams and the talent being spread. Yeah, possibly. But for, yep. but for, but for twelve minutes, for twelve months of pain, in twenty twenty four, it will be an outstanding competition. That's my concern, though, is that they go, oh, we had this brief little lull, but then it was awesome in twenty twenty four. Let's go the full seventeen teams in twenty twenty five. Like, I think right. they they need to maintain at least a moderately. Um, and and that's and that's where the expansion. NRL need to listen. The, the, the women's experts, the, like people like Jamie Feeney, the Jillaroo structure, all those sort of people have all said 10 teams is what it needs to be for the next five years. We can't yeah. even consider expanding for five years. So the NRL have to have to listen. If not, yeah, they could ruin it. But the, the people that sh- should be listened to know that, you know, 10 teams has to stay for a while. Yeah, I, I sort of like, uh, you know, make sure they find that balance and really make the most of it so, you know, it can be a real shared experience of the whole rugby league community. Mm. Because it's not like what the, as an example, across the coast, uh, like a big bash, where I think everyone has felt the last two years of the big bash, it's just gone on too long. Like, you know, you you get excited, then you sort of lose interest. I'm not sure if any of you fellas are cricketsmen, but it just seems oh, like... I'm done by New Year's now with the big bash. I'm yeah, New Year's, yeah, I'm done yeah. with it. Exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's a... 
you're thinking about what you're doing on your Easter holidays and the Big Bash is still on the television every night and you think, this is just too much. You've got to consolidate. Yeah, I thought it was the Big Bash, not the Long Bash. Am I yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> Zing! But, uh, speaking of, speaking of, uh, of uh, the, the NRLW before we, we get off, I've got, a, I got a, another shout-out to Millie Boyle and the confidence that, that, um, that she gives. Of, because of being the, uh, the professional both on and off the field, and you can tell she is such a natural leader in everything that she does. But by God, it just gives me confidence uh, with Adam Elliott coming to the team as well. And just making <laughs> at the best time that we've got him, you know, during the Millie Boyle relationship where, you know, if pre, pre-Boyle Adam Elliott would have just been a nightmare to bring to the club. But I've got so much more confidence that, you know, he's he's in the right state of mind because he's with the right type of person. And that could be me. Bruno. <laughs> Preto, were you? I think you were actually saying it. I, I can't remember if you recorded it or not, but I think the best reason for Adam, for us taking Adam Elliott being in a relationship with Millie Boyle, isn't so much because he's in a good state of mind being with, uh, you know, with Millie. It's the it's the state of mind that if you fuck this up with Millie, mate, we will hunt. Like the fans of Newcastle <laughs> will hunt you down. Oh, like he, you will he, not leave he, this city alive. He's earning his contract by what he does in regards to keeping Millie happy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I, I honestly don't care what he does on the field. <laughs> he, he, he's actually Millie's butler. That's that's what he's done. Can we can we like, can we talk about Millie on the field? Because we've sort of talked yeah. a lot about what she does, mate. Guys, two hundred and thirty-three meters. I think she only played fifty minutes, and she played fifty minutes straight on Sunday. If it might not have been 45, 50 minutes. Right, she'd she'd cracked one hundred and eighty minutes in 35 minutes of rugby league. Now, I don't give a fuck who you talk to. I don't care if someone says, oh, it's only the women's, or oh, it's only 35 minutes. Hard. Mate, there are blokes who will play semi, like semi-professional like semi rugby league who would struggle to run 180 metres. And let's not forget how hot it was in Brisbane on Sunday. She did 180, she did 180 um, metres, 14, tack, uh, 14 tackles, I think. She scored a try. Um, she was taken off with 20 minutes to go in a preliminary final. I'm putting it out there as one of the, the best finals performances by a Newcastle Knights player since the club was, uh, was created back in 1988. We needed her. She would have come on. She would have come back on after a five-minute rest on the weekend. 100%. 100%. She'll, she'll, play, she'll play 70 minutes this week, I guarantee it. She'll absolutely play 70 minutes, and they'll run Predabon, Caitlin, all those girls through – yeah, you know, just rolling through the middle for the rest of the game. Like Millie will play seventy, there's no doubt, and she'll get over two hundred meters against, uh, yeah, in a grand final, and people go, oh, that's just Millie. But that's like that's world burning exceptionally. Like if a, if a man was doing that, they'd be bloody, you know, offering him a million dollars a season. Well, I think it's, I love that. That's how you've summed it up because I I keep coming back to, she is Tomalolo. Um, it's it's the meters, it's the the presence. Um, yeah. She yeah. she steps onto the field and and not only do all your players you know grow a little bit in confidence but the other the opposition side are just like ah oh, shit and yes oh <laughs> <laughs> well, she's back again fucking hell <laughs> and and can I say she reminds me of someone 
of like a, a Cameron Smith elf of, of the way oh, that... don't you. you thought my PJ Marsh reference was bad. Fucking hell, Ned. <laughs> you remember like, like watching Cameron Smith play and getting so frustrated where it looked like he was in control of the ruck speed, he was in control of everything. He'd be out there, his mind was covering so many bases. He wasn't focused on what he was doing, he was focused on what everyone was doing, when to push, when to, when to consolidate, when to take your time. And that's what I see with, with Millie Boyle. That's what she seems like. She has been out there for 300 games, and she knows exactly to when to to lead the team and when to say, "Come on, we need to rein this in and and, uh, and you know work for the next set." And it's that it's that kind of thing. She's not. I'd, I'd probably describe it as calmness out there. She doesn't seem hey, flustered. Yeah. Hey, she boys, can a, I? Yeah, you. Sorry, you finished, Nagy. No, no, she just, I was just going to say she's calm and she doesn't seem flustered out there. So, boys, can I, um, can I let you in on a little secret that we're going to let all, uh, all seven of, of those who listen to our episode tonight <laughs> in on? Because I, I, so, I, I've had a couple, so I'm in the mood tonight. Can I let you in on a secret as to the singular thing that I actually hated the most about Cameron Smith? It, like, I, I, I projected a lot of it in terms of, oh, he's a cheat. Oh, he ruined the game. Oh, no, fuck that. The thing I actually genuinely hated the most about Cameron Smith is actually how calm he always looked no matter what came his way. It, it didn't matter whether his team was down by 20. It didn't matter whether his team, his club had just been, um, uh, you know, charged with the great, the, the worst salary cap cheating we've seen in the history of the game. He was one of the most unflappable players on the field that you could ever come across. Now, for a, for a manic personality like me to see someone like that where nothing bothers you is the most infuriating thing that you can witness. And it's actually because it was one of the things that I loved the most about Joey. I fucking loved that Joey was two things. The greatest rugby league player that we'd ever seen in the history of the game, and the fact that he wore his heart on his sleeve doing it because it gave it. It is a six-year-old when he was losing. Yeah, no, that's right. Because <laughs> this is not a word of lie. This is not a word of lie. It gives insecure people like me hope that we can do something good despite the fact <laughs> that we're an emotional sort of um, uh, nightmare. And the, and I'll because I'll, we'll go back to Millie after after this, or at least just let. What summed Cameron Smith up the most for me, that, that frustrating element, is that, um, Joe, do you remember when we went down to the Central Coast for the COVID game, the, the COVID game against the Storm? I, I remember people booing him relentlessly and giving him shit about his bald spot. Yes! Patted his bald spot, slotted the conversion from the sideline and just turned and, like, I don't think he took a bow, but it was one of those moments nah. where he, like, looked at the guy that booed him and was like, yeah, mate, no worries. That's, that is literally it exactly. That is exactly what I was going to point to. And he went back down the end. He slotted the kick, won the game, and he looked back at us after the game. And he even, like, uh, signaled to us. And he didn't applaud to us or signal in a smug, smarmy, up-yours way, but in a way where he was like, yeah, I know that happened before, and, hey, we're all friends here. And I was sitting there, we're not friends. I hate you. And But that was, that was like, yeah, cards on the table. That is what I, I've actually always hated about Cameron Smith the most is that nothing bothered him. And I just think there's got to be something inhuman about someone who can be that calm no matter what the circumstances are. Well, now we have our very own Cameron Smith. And Millie Boyle is... <laughs> 
but a likable version. A full head of hair. Well, give it, give her what is it, four hundred games, and there's Millie. She's learned to kick at that point, and um, yeah. just just patting the, uh, the the slice of ham atop her head. Um, yeah. four, hey, um, did, what did, did did Cam win four premierships? Three. No, he only won three. So, well, Millie can get a fourth this weekend. Oh, isn't it oh, an of outrageous course. record? Millie's already won four or won three at Brisbane. Was she there for all three of the she Broncos? Was there, she was there from day one. So did she play? In, and she played in the losing. I mean, the the, the Broncos team that didn't. Year. So she won three premierships. Then she yeah. won Player of the Year when they choked in the finals, and it can win another premiership. So essentially, out of five seasons, she's won four premierships and a Player of the Year. It's far out. Yeah, that is incredible. Was winning Player of the of the Year in a season where they made another prelim as well. Yeah, um, they might have premiers and, and should have won the comp again. But you know what happened happened. But yeah. Guys, uh, let's let's give some shout because we're all about the shout outs tonight in terms of the um, the women's team. Um, me personally, because I think it's easy to look at this NRLW team uh, in isolation of this season. But one thing Ron and Millie made a really specific effort to do was to call back to the players that helped build this team in the in the defeated season, in the in the vincible season where they where they didn't win a game. And for me, one of the players that really has stood out from that season, because she was she was a star for us in the first season, and Bobby Law has not missed a beat this season as well. But I sort of feel like she's been one of the unheralded players for us in terms of what she's delivered in the centres, you know, the way that she's continuously um, stepped up uh, week in, week out, off the back of that first disappointing. It, the, I, I think those are the sort of stories as well that are sort of being missed a bit for this Knights team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there was, um, you know, we, I, I, I can't really be uh, pointing fingers um, given that we've just spent half an hour talking about Millie Boyle, but there is a, a temptation to just sort of go, oh, haven't the Knights been amazing getting Tamika Upton and Millie Boyle? And it's like, yeah, but remember last year when um, Manly were just so good and there was this thing, it was like, oh, geez, how do you stop Manly from winning? Well, you just stop Tommy Turbo. And it was like, no, no, that's how you stop Tommy Turbo is that you stop Manly. Like if, if you shut down their forwards, he can't do his thing. And for it's, it's not the world's most elegant analogy, but like you don't have the, uh, the cream that is to make her up and doing her thing unless she's got the other 12 players on the field at the time, you know, providing an outstanding platform. And there are so many girls that have, have built the platform that ha- were here for that rough year. And Bobby Law is certainly one of them. She had a pretty up and down first season. It, she she had issues with injury, I want to say, at the yeah, start of this year. Um, yeah, so it was a bit hit and miss for her, but she was one of our really big signings. It was local girl coming home and her dad is... He's a Newcastle identity. I want to say he's a surfer. Anyway. Hang on. We're checking. We're fact checking that. Keep talking. Because there was a thing there where it was like, oh, yeah, Bobby's got this connection to the club. It's not that her dad played. It was that he was like, I want to say he was one of Joey's surfer mates. So they used to knock around together at um, the zoo. And therefore, she, like, she, when would they would share stories about the good old days from way back when, she was there for a lot of it, albeit, albeit you know, as a, a younger girl. And so it's awesome to see her 
getting to live this kind of fantastic success in what is only her second season for someone who was brought on. You know, Caitlin Johnston was our inaugural signing and, and came with big plaudits and certainly earned them with her amazing performance in State of Origin. So for someone like Bobby Law, um, it's, it's great to see her, as you say, Carla, having a really fantastic season, even if she's not getting the, uh, the credit that she perhaps deserves because we've got such amazing headline players. Can I give a shout out to, and she's got on the radar, she, Romy Titzel. Yeah. Let's not forget, four or five months ago, she was playing fullback and the only attacking option in the entire team. Captain of the captain of the team. This year, with all the signings, they, they took the captaincy away from her because of the, the girls coming in. She didn't kick stones. She just accepted it, realised that's how it was. Play, playing a completely, not only in a different position, playing going from fullback to playing in the forwards. And I think I'm right in saying she's played every game in both seasons. Like, outstanding. Outstanding. And she, you know, she's not a Newcastle local, so she had to move from Townsville. In between seasons, she's gone back and played in Brisbane. She's been all over the shop, and she's just been great every single week. Like, it's it's amazing sort of how, how much she's gone under the radar, considering the rap sign on when she came as the big signing initially in the first team. Um, no, she's she's been great, and her defence for, for someone that had never played in the forwards until that Brisbane comp in between, it's been great. I was worried. I was worried. I thought, oh no, fullback playing on the edge. You know, she's not the biggest, but no, she's been outstanding. I'm no expert. I just love the game, but more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. I love the, and I know we shouldn't keep comparing women's games to the men's game. But <laughs> nah, fuck it. Let's imagine, keep doing it. <laughs> could you imagine the same story in any team in the world if they said, hey, listen, you're our star player, our fullback, and our captain. We're taking all that away. Are you cool? Is that going to be all right with you? Yeah, can you, and- can you just go out on the edge and just tackle tackle all day and do nothing else <laughs> and no one will talk about you? Just do that for us, can you? Yeah, and just pick up the 50 to 100 metres in uh, in carrying the ball forward while you're at it. Got, Brett, because it's funny you say, it's not only not only was poor Romy having to contend with uh, losing every game of our inaugural season as captain, but she was having to contend with K-Dog up in the stands. J- Joe, do you remember at Give the SCG, do you Give remember when I, I was sitting there and I was saying, oh, fuck, Romy, is she here for a holiday? And there was there were friends of the players sitting three seats down from us going, Oh, do you know the players, do you? And I was like, Oh, no. And she's like, Oh, it's just where we're Phoebe Desmond's family, and you're just the way you and I was like, Oh no, I certainly don't know any of them. And I was like, fuck, I hope this doesn't get back to Romy Title that I've been saying that she's here for a holiday and doing fuck all. But um yeah, I just so- adjusted my monocle and said, Really, Carlo, that's unsporting. <laughs> <laughs> But no, Bretto, I, I, you you were absolutely spot on because that's that was where my mind went next. Is that for for Romy to sort of 
suck it up after that first season and go, well, I'm going to be part of a team out of position and still not only do my part but excel. Um, yeah, whatever whatever doubts or concerns I obviously incorrectly had about her, what she was contributing to the team in that first season, oh, yeah, she's, she's more than um, um, gotten rid of those. And can I tell you, like, you would assume that she'd want to go back to the North Stars next or go to the North Stars next season, but... I'm, I don't know. Is is she a player now that want, might want to stay with Newcastle for season 2023? I, I think she'll go, and I only think she'll go for one reason, because she'll go from being what she's become in our team, which is just another, another player, and that's not her fault. She's a great player. Whereas up there, she'll be the local girl. She'll have the name that everyone will know. I think that you know, she'll go out there and probably be, even be there an all captain. Do you reckon she goes back to fullback up there, Bretta? No, I don't think. I think the edge is a spot now. Yeah. We're playing. No, you go. Yeah, you go, Nagy. I was just going to, you know, we're throwing a lot of shout outs here, and uh, especially looking at that last game to get us to the GF. And, uh, and I don't think we can go past without mentioning Kira Dib as well. You know, it, it mm. seems like, as someone pointed out to me uh, during the last game, that Kira Dib reminds them of every. Uh, sort of uh, in, in those sort of Disney movies. Like, I'm just grabbing a beer, there. boys. That's okay. That's all right. Um, in, in those Disney movies growing up, there was always those teams where a girl would come play and they'd say, you can't play this game, and then they would actually kill it. <laughs> That's what Kira Dib looks like, like that kind of like, I'll show you who can't play, and then just plays out of her skin. Probably we're all focusing on Little Giants. That's what I was thinking of as well. And Little Giants, but, uh, yeah. But but it it just you know as I think you really summarised it well at the beginning, Brett, by saying that you know this Millie Boyle and Sneaker Upton uh, is you know the cream on on top of a of a really good side, and we can, you can just see from the amount of shout outs that we are, and the enthusiasm in which we're talking about this GF, which you know um, twelve months ago was not something that I, I was personally invested in, um, and I think a lot of uh, not only Knights fans but the the, the rugby league community were invested in, but they're becoming, you know, they they they've got their, their showpieces. They can they've got a they've got a platform in which they can show their skills. Everyone is really impressed, uh, and 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 they're building a culture that people can get behind, which I think is really important. And you know, God God bless Newcastle because we love a good cultured winning side. You know, we we, we will support that. <clears throat> As, as you know, as the day is long, and, and I think uh, you know a bit of exposure across the uh, NRLW now, um, you know that everyone is talking about. I just was just listening on uh, ABC Radio um, Sydney recently, and uh, today this afternoon they're talking to Teddy Grafton. They are you know really setting a profile for themselves and doing the doing the even if they're imports they're really doing the, the town proud and i think that's um that's something that we, sh- we really should be celebrating on sunday um win lose or draw because they've done such a great job in such a short period of time well that was because that was what ron sort of spoke about on after the game on sunday and i've I got to be honest with you i'm still coming to terms with it because it still feels like bullshit after what we've seen from newcastle over the past 15 <laughs> years but he talked about well this is the newcastle way we're a hard-working team. And I've got to be honest with you, is that, like, we've sort, we've probably spent the past sort of six months hearing blokes say that, oh, we want to do it for the fans, you know, we're here for the community. And the women have shown, well, this is how you play when you say you're doing it for the community. And it okay, just... It, 
I, I think I, I'm going to have to jump in here with what is actually the Newcastle way. Well, that's what I want to know. Here is here is the Newcastle way. He's a, he's a tank and... throws the premierships. <laughs> <laughs> or it's as simple as look. If you want to win a premiership in Newcastle, all you need is a generational talent playing halfback. <laughs> that is the Newcastle way. And, and a big and a big tall prop fall that everybody loves. I yeah. believe I believe Joe uh, generational talent in the number seven jersey. It, this is there's a distinct chance that you're talking about the the reigning NRLW Rookie of the Year Jesse Southwell. Am am, am I correct in uh, in making that assumption? What is that her name? Um, <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, boys, because oh, I only just realised this today. Jesse Southwell in her first season of NRLW is the second leading try assist, uh, has the second second most try assist for the season. She's 17. This is, this is a 17-year-old performing at a professional rep level and consistently because – like you know, she's played six games in a row. That is a that is a big toll now on a on a young player. She's done that at a top level week in week out. I think it's worth also chucking in that she's done that on the back of just flying home from winning a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games. Yes, yes. And, and, I think training for a sport where you play little two minute bursts. Yeah, and and Joe, I think you raise a really good point there uh, as well. Like. This women's side is uh, not only, um, you know, uh, often contributing plus doing, you know, another line of work, but they've chosen rugby league over other sports that they could be doing. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, we're reaching a point now, the professionalism of women's game across the board, whether it be, you know, basketball or AFLW or, or um or, or NRL, where, where they say, no, I want to play rugby league. I could be playing for these other other, other things, but I, I want to play rugby league. And I think, you know, to, to have that, you know, it's only really the, the top-tier NRL players that could code hop like that. But for these mm. women, you know, it's a real choice uh, that, they're, that they're choosing rugby league. And, and rugby league has gone on, you know, a, a little bit slow out of the game, but they've gone on the front foot to be like, no, we want to make this game. You know, we want to be working towards a professional level. We want to attract the best talent. And and until that's established, you really won't see the flow on of, of uh, women um, coming through and choosing sport as a career in this sort of, uh, in this sort of um, space, if you will. And at the moment, we have uh, so many women athletes who are, who are very good at X, Y, and Z, and they're choosing rugby league. And that's really... That's you know it's 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 incredible to see. Uh, so so by pointing out that the, this person's going, you know, finishing in the Commonwealth Games and then going over to rugby league and, and doing it for the Knights, it's, you know, it, it's incredible. It's incredible to see. It's um, it's something that really should be. It's only of the moment. You know, in ten years it will be different. Uh, but at this point, it's it's a, it's not only a choice to play for the club, but it's a choice to play for the code. Uh, something and, I didn't something I didn't know until today that is that Millie's a dual international. Well, she was a Wallaroo. Was she really? See, there's so many. You know, even if you look at like someone like a Ash Barty, you know, that that's just happens to be great at two two different sports. You know what I mean? Like, but that's that's what you get. Like at the moment, where 
the professional outlets for uh, for female athletes are slim, and you know you only have to go back, um, I think, ten or twelve years where they, they speak about you know playing for Australia in netball and only getting a thousand dollar contract. You know what I mean? Like it's it's an evolving thing, and with and until it reaches a professional level. It's never going to attract, you know, uh, all the, the the amateur talent to, to, to go through these pathways. So it's it's an exciting time. It's it, and 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 it's really good that the NRLW gets on on the front foot here and establishes. Yes, this is a professional club. This is a professional competition, and we'll pay you professionally. Uh, a really so, a really good sorry a really good friend of mine who's an AFL fan the AFL is their game rather than rugby league and we're talking about the two the two codes the NRLW and the um the WAFL and um he he was he did made a really great point he said the AFL have got a lot of dual code athletes but they're athletes who are trying to learn to play football whereas rugby league's the same in terms of there's there's a lot of the women that can play multiple sports and they're athletes. But rugby league's actually the sport they've grown up on. Yeah. So, you know, whether it was playing with the boys till they were 12 before women's football was a thing or it was playing touch football, whatever it was, they're actually, they actually went to other sports because that's how they could become professionals at the time. And now they're coming back to rugby league, whereas yeah. they, don't, they don't need to learn the game, whereas the AFL girls need to come to AFL and learn the game. So we're actually getting the, the perfect combination of footy players and athletes. That's why... The the, uh, the development's happening so quickly because they don't need to learn the game. They just need to you know develop, you know, do the lifting, and the gym work and that sort of stuff to become professional rugby league players. So right. you know, and so they've got a massive head start in that regard. That's a great. And um, that's something that that the NRLW should really take you know grab a hold of and, and and make sure that they secure that talent. And it doesn't. So the so the uh, the other codes don't say, well, actually, we're going to offer more money and be more attractive, but we're going to be more professional, and you can focus 100% on us uh, and, and try to draw those players away. It's uh, it's, a, it's a great position to be, and I really hope that they take advantage of it. That's exactly what I was going to say, Nagy, is that they, they've got this opportunity now to be like, we're the premier code and lay a foundation that could set them up for decades, a century, more, you know, like to be able to go... We got all the best talent early on in the piece. Everyone played rugby league, and, it, and the game was over before it began because we just pumped. Up. And, and the, the really frustrating thing, or potentially really frustrating thing, is that it's just not going to cost that much money. Like yeah. it, with yeah. with a few million bucks a year, they can absolutely blow everyone else out of the water in terms of the what what you can offer um, female athletes in this country. And, and man, that's and what annoys me about the PVL taking the unders on the TV deal. If you could have got ten million dollars more a year out of that TV deal, which you should have got, you know, a hundred million more, there's there's the NRLW paid for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and every ten million dollar salary cap, that that gives everyone a, a living wage that's not insulting, and that's more than any other code can offer at the moment. Sorry, Nate. And, and to think that the rugby union, this could happen to them again. Right in front of their face, that they can be like, "This happened was a hundred years ago." <laughs> all we had to do was pay the players, and then we could get all the talent. Oh gosh! And then think, "Oh no, no, we've got we've got the premier code." And then the TV deal comes along and says, "Look, how do you feel about Stan Sport?" <laughs> it's it's it, 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 it's it's happening in real time for them, and they're still sitting on their hands with all this with all this talent there. 
Hey, Brado, you were um, you were spot on about Millie. Yeah, so not only did um, Millie play for the Wallaroos at the 27 World uh, Rugby World Cup, uh, youngest player to ever be picked for the um, for the Women's Rugby Union national team. Yeah, 19 years old. Uh, and she was a flanker, which well, yeah, makes yeah. sense. And she, and she looks like a flanker. That's the thing, because you and I were sort of discussing, is her future in rugby league in the back row, in the lock area, as opposed, or is she She's, just going to develop more and more into that front row intimidator role? To, to, to me, I, I always, always thought she'd be a lock, but now I just wonder whether, you know, like, that while we've got her and Hannah, they just play the positions they do, but she's to me she's a she's a eighty mil seventy minute lock, you know. Like she can just work all day. She can you know she'll eat plenty of meters up. She can be an impact on the edge. You know she's still the leg speed to run on the edge of the field. Like yeah, she she just looks like a lock. But you know, but while we've got Hannah, I guess you know why would you change it? It's funny you should mention Hannah as well because I, I want to go back to I want to talk a bit about Hannah Southwell. And I don't know if I've gotten a bit jaded with the men's game, but you see it so often where you see your your injured sort of um, uh, spiritual leader, and they they sort of like you sort of get the feeling with the blokes they try to make a big deal about something that doesn't come natural. The way the women talk about Hannah, in terms of we're doing this for, I mean, fucking hell, Jesse said some of the one of the most amazing quotes after the game on Sunday, where she said she's our spiritual leader, she's always there for us. She's built the foundations of this club that we're sort of um, following on from, and we want to do it for her. You believe them, <laughs> like yeah. One, it, one of the girls, one of the girls said she puts on over cash into the team. Oh, oh my heart, yes, my soul. Just, just, just for funsies as well. Another jewel international. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey boys, can we talk a little bit about the? Because I was blowing up deluxe about the Daly M's on uh, Monday. Just FY, and just a very quick one. Surely they've got a they've got to rename the players Player of the Year medal for the NRLW. Yeah, yes, no, yes, yeah, Millie B. <laughs> <laughs> um, the... I think of a, the comparison between the two of them from time to time, where it's like. Daily Messenger was this amazing, you know, big name that they got that really helped to establish to, to you know, to dig the well, as they like to say it, uh, in renowned rugby league heartland Melbourne. Um, and <laughs> they're like, yeah, because he was just so much better than everyone else. And I often wonder whether it was like, yeah, because he was amazing or because he got paid enough that he was able to be the equivalent of a professional athlete. Yeah, he was the professional else. athlete, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I often think of Millie a bit like that because she has, and this is, and again, like that's, it's not a slight on these people that they have built the name, the credibility and have had the smarts to develop a career out of what they're doing. And Millie by playing so well, having that presence, having the personality has built a, you know, has, has managed to become a full-time professional athlete. You know, she does the TV work. She's um, got enough going on that she can be focused those 40 hours a week where most people are in an office or doing whatever it is, she can be, you know, train and be arguably the supreme athlete of the competition. I, th I think it's fair to say she is. Like, just look at her in terms of just like the height, the physicality that she brings. And as you say, Bredo, she could play 70 minutes, no hassles. Is she going to play in the, um, in the front row? Is she going to play edge back row? Is she going to play lock? Like, these are all options open to her because she has got that physical athletic presence that is complemented with, with the, the footy skills. But I often think of her in terms of a daily messenger 
it is a full-time professional athlete and it really helps her to separate herself from the rest of the competition. And it's also like what you said there, Joe, it's, it's, I know there's been comparisons to Paul Harrigan in the past and, and just from the leadership perspective. But, you know, I think you know, Paul Harrigan coming into that front row and bringing that athleticism into the front row, you know, I believe he was signed as a winner. Uh, uh, whether that's whoa, 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 really? Yeah, he was a winner. Yeah. So, and, and, and like, I did not and, know that. And and bring that sort of changing this thing from from someone that was uh, you know traditionally uh, big and lumbering and 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 you know brute strength and things like that, to bring this sort of sense of uh, athleticism to the Ford pack. And really, you saw the four pack change after that in NRL in in the late nineties. And it, there was definitely like you know the block of roaches and stuff like that that happened before that. The Glenn Lazarus, you know, obviously to be able to do a do a uh, a cartwheel and whatnot, and uh, those sorts of things was was very different. And but you know to bring that, uh, I, I suppose you could even dip your hat to Ian Roberts and things like that. But like really bring the size and strength and be able to apply it in a certain way that was effective in, uh, in the NRL um, or the ARL, like to bring it to, to the front row position and change the shape of that, I think uh, was the, the beginning of, of, you know, you could say it was the, the beginning of the end for the, the little man in, in the... Um, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, well, you know, like, instead of no, I was just going to say, Peter Volandis is listening in the background going, bring back the little man. <laughs> yeah, well, this is like, yeah, and you could argue that, that you know, this sort of prop that was, that was you know, could play in that, that sort of athletic uh, ability that was, you know, I- extremely fit and, and, um, and, and what I mean, instead of like having, you know, your props, or your, your, the, 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 you know, classic, you know, your pigs at the front and the rabbits at the back, you know, I'm sure we've all had that in the rugby league circles. And, uh, and, but like to, to sort of turn the dial on that and to be like, actually, we, we can all be rabbits. Just some rabbits are bigger than others. Uh, and yeah, that, Chief, that, Chief was one of the first generation of props that had no body fat. Newcastle are the premiers. But the reason why Chief and Spud carry all those clashes is so spectacular because that was the first time in rugby league history there's two props that were that athletic. They could hit each other a million miles an hour. They didn't just lumber into each other. And now, and, and, that, the, and that's what was so, that was what was so different. There was actually a guy on either side of the field that could run at that sort of speed and just run into each other. And, you know, now see it with um, the likes of... Uh, this was a, a number of years ago, obviously, because it was uh, a Melbourne game, but... Uh, I know there was a Melbourne game where the, the sort of the game was in the balance and Greg Inglis put on this massive hit on, I want to say it was Brent Kite. It was, it was like one of those clashes. And after the game, Craig Bellamy was like, you know, when you see one of your, uh, your outside backs put a hit like that on a prop really changes the complexion of the game. And it was like, <laughs> no, no, mate, that's, it's just the biggest guy on the field hitting the other biggest guy on the field. Like Greg Inglis. Yeah, they would have waited the same. They would have absolutely waited the same. call his position yeah. out, but he's still an enormous human being. Well, this is my, my crit, like, I wouldn't be a criticism of rugby league because I do love the game, but like the, the uniformity of this sort of 99 kilo uh, athlete that is just, you know, playing in these different positions. And, you know, you can say the, the rise of the big wingers or, 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 or sort of the more athleticism of the forwards, but it, it does create this sort of thing where you look at like, you know, 
uh, Marcus Sebo, and you're like, he could play prop if he wanted to, but he's just too damn, you know, good with his hands. Like, you know, yeah, so it's the argument rugby. You ask rugby people what's rugby got the league doesn't, and the argument always is it's a game for all body shapes still. Different body yes, sizes, yes. yeah. 100%, 100% I've, I've heard that before. Those. Yeah, yeah. And and, and, and that, that is like a bit of a blight on the game, but, you know, hopefully they can, you know, work out a way that – But so I'll, I'll go back to, to Billy Boyle because, like, you, should, you know, is this the, the, the birth of that where you, you, you do see, like, someone that, can do all, you know what I mean? Like can play basically anywhere in the Ford pack, uh, but wouldn't wouldn't look necessarily out of place if she was playing in the Senate, you know. Uh, mm. And and it's it's a part of an evolution of the sport, but it's it's something that um, that, that that happens across the board. You even you even see it in, in, in MMA and things like that. You know, you just get. A, a, a particular like skill set with a body type, and they become very, very difficult to, to handle. The only way that they can be sort of matched or beaten is if you have a, a, a similar body body shape and um, and, uh, and 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 um, and weight and, and ability. So, without taking away, without looking more philosophically at what could happen with the women's game in the future, I think it's just something to really behold of of what of the journey that Millie Boyle has gone on. Uh, and where she is in her career, the fact that she's chosen the ninth, and now we're moving into a grand final where there is something that's uh, I think is going to be remembered. Uh, and, and as we see this game evolve and continue on, you know she'll be you know one of the stalwarts of the game, which which is wonderful to see that she's wearing the red and blue. So, boy, well, let's let's get to the grand final. Who, who wins and why? I don't care who's first. Um, we we beat Parramatta by ten. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Joe. You you've cut out. The, you, you seem to be going insane. Are you, uh, Joe, are you okay? Uh, we've lost you, mate. Uh, no, sorry, mate. Please go on. <laughs> no, you go on. <laughs> no, no, we're gonna we're gonna absolutely monster them. It's not even gonna be fair. Okay. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> One of the things about being the night a Knights fan, isn't it, is that you're not allowed to be confident. Like, cause no, this is a really strange feeling. But yeah, I'm yeah. really confident. Yeah, I don't absolutely. know what, what to do with it. To, to know you're actually the best team and this team will not fuck it up is quite the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, can we, Fredo, can we talk about that for a second? Because I was going to town on Roosters fans on Monday night. Uh, pointing out that you know they were getting all of these NRLW award, uh, sorry, Dally M awards for essentially choking and matter, um, and they were all pointing out well, we had an undefeated season. Yeah, you had an undefeated regular season off the back of a two point win over an understrength Newcastle Knights team, thanks to a last an almost last minute intercept. So let's yeah. just pump the brakes on. You you you, ha, you did have the undefeated season, but let's all pump the brakes on this whole. You're that much better than the Knights were. It, it was fairly clear that, that we were the two best teams for the regular season, but to sort of point out that well, your one extra win by two points made you that much better than the rest of the competition kind of felt like a bit of a stretch. Yeah, and I get you know the for and against that. You know they they monstered everybody, and I understand all that, and, and I don't deny they were the best team in the regular season, but only just. But the idea that we had two girls in the team of the season and Brisbane who had one win had two girls and Parramatta had one win had two girls and St. George who had a win less than us had, I think, three in 
and the Roosters had the rest, like, absolutely taking the piss, aren't they? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, Caitlin and Millie were, were, were morals. I find it difficult that Clydesdale didn't make it. Um, I guess Jesse didn't make it because the Dally M winner also plays the same position. Yeah, whatever. And Tamika didn't make it. Tamika didn't make it. She missed two games. But Tamika, I'm telling you now, Tamika wouldn't have got it anyway. Bremner is, yeah. And be prepared, guys. Bremner will be the Jillery's fullback. Oh, don't I hope I know that. Like, down. Don't don't spoil things, Bredo, with your <laughs> with your talk in reality. You know, Tamika <laughs> for the number one jersey. Let's let's. And to make to make him probably get picked on the wing, but Bremen to be the fullback. There's it just it's just how it is. Um, is it like Harvey just, G this week that pointed just, out just that Surges. Can we can we talk about Jess Surges? Like <laughs> that hype train is out of control. <laughs> she literally played about five good games that were in one season when she was 18. She dated Zach Lomax. All of a sudden, she's the greatest rugby league centre ever. She's not even the – I wouldn't even pick her in, in their best 17. There's two centres they've got that are better than her. It's it's sorry, unbelievable. Sorry, can I, you, can I, you told us that you'd already delivered your hot take for the uh, for this episode. You're just uh, dishing them out. It's The microphone, the, the headphones, they're, they're too hot to touch. This this episode better be called the hot take. But uh, can, I just, <laughs> can I just say one thing about uh, rugby league supporters? Uh, there's uh, something that everyone has followed or has some sort of belief in, and that's the rugby league gods. And you know, when you're watching a game and there's a there's a poor call. KP the, KP's rugby league god. Well then, well then, then there's like you know, there's you know uh, something that's gone unseen, and then there's a knock on. You say, well, there's the rugby league gods just just influencing the game just a little bit. Are we a little bit concerned that the rugby league gods are now boosting up the Knights to beat Parramatta just to, you know, just to equal history uh, back to 2001, uh, you know, 21 years ago? Are we worried that they, they have their hands on this? That they, look, yes. let, the, let, the Knights, let the Knights go in confident because they're the best team on the paddock. I know. So I actually gave I actually gave the theory of the rugby league gods are in control and and the plan they have is that we will break Parramatta hearts one more time before they win the big <laughs> one just after our game. The other okay. thing as well is that because everybody wants to hark back to two thousand and one when it comes to the Knights v the Eels, I, I want to point out something else a little bit different there. There are two things that sort of point out to me differently from that season is that one. We didn't make the mistake of performing only when it mattered during the regular season. I mean, as, as you pointed out, Bretto, the, the Roosters really did. To, the Roosters, to me, are more the 2001 Eels than yeah. the Knights are. But I think and that's why thing, I was hoping we are going to play them this week. But, the, but the, the other thing as well is that everyone seems to forget about the 2001 Eels. See, this is what annoys me about rugby league historians, is that they love to paper over certain, you know, cracks in reality and the simple fact of the matter is is that the eels in 2001 absolutely destroyed that um that uh regular season they were they were terrible in the preliminary final the nerves were already starting people tend to forget that the broncos actually were in with a chance of toppling them over in the preliminary final our girls didn't do that in this preliminary if anything we kept our powder dry until the one of two games that really mattered and you almost got. It was our best performance all year for sure. Yes, that's that's when we started to put our foot on the accelerator. So, uh, I'm, especially I'm... especially with the pressure that we were put under when the game was in the balance, you know, in in the St George game last week, you know, it felt like that they that the 
that the Knights were waiting for their opportunity to yes. really, you know, put the foot in the throat. And uh, and I don't want to say welcoming the like backing the defense and welcoming them in, but it but as soon as it was like we we weathered the storm, it was like well now it's our turn, and then we flipped the tables on them. And uh, and made this and George team felt like they didn't deserve to be on the same paddock. Um, <laughs> and Can that's, I ask, that's, do, yeah. is the game different if Tonegato uh, puts that ball down properly in the first half? No. Because it went from being no. a 12-10 game to back nope. to 18-6. I've, I've seen plenty of Dragons fans say that, and no. <laughs> Dragons played Dragons play good for 10 minutes an entire game. One thing I will say is the intercept, where great start they get the intercept, I was having 2,000 preliminary final flashbacks. <laughs> we are a I, 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 I was, I was sitting on my couch going, Freddie, no, I mean, no, I mean, no, yes, no. You know, it's just, yeah. I had those I had those flashbacks at every point in my life, whether I just missed, like, you know, a green light, everything. I'm like, oh, everything's going wrong all of a sudden. Oh, no. <laughs> I had plenty of time to get there. Um, Joe, funnily enough, is still the only one to answer the question. Bretto, who wins on Sunday and why? Uh, we win, um, and I don't think it'll be easy because I think Parramatta, you know, I've got a bit of bit of a role on. You know, they feel like a bit of a team of destiny because you know they were so so poor for the majority of the season. They've got hot, um, but we'll win, and we'll win. We'll probably win pulling away, um, and, I, and the reason why we will win is because when our big girls come back on for their second stints, we'll be too strong for them. Maggie? Well, that's a, I was just about to duck off for the loo. <laughs> well, quickly so before nervous. you go for a slash. Um, look, it is a slash right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leave your mic on. <laughs> Maggie's been gone for four to, four to five minutes. Um, look, it's... I, from what I've seen, I don't think we're the side that just just bowls them over. We seem like a side that can, as the same thing as I said about Millie Boyle, absorb pressure, keep everyone calm, and then the likes of Tanika Upton can just go, uh, you made a mistake up your end, and uh, we're, we're inside your 30, and that's try. And those sorts of teams that can really punish other teams for their mistakes uh, like that, and, and I, I really think are very difficult teams to beat. Penrith. So That's how Penrith have built their success. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's, that's – I don't want to compare the two because we're, we're, we're such a young side. Um, but assuming that uh, everything goes right on the day – uh, and there's not a particular, there's not a blowout. We're not chasing twenty points or anything silly like that. I feel like we're we're in a good position to win. Uh, you know, I, I feel like everyone uh, in the games that I've seen, the different players. Like even if we look at Kira Dib, like you know, she's not an own try scorer. Backs herself, scores a try, it, 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 an important try against um, St George. And I think that sort of growing in confidence is really shaping out our side. And um, that's a really dangerous side for, for Parramatta to go up against. And I, I, so I'll, back, I'll back the Knights to be a, a close game at halftime and then Knights to really put on the, put on the throat in, this, in, in the second half. 
Maggie, you go to the toilet as quickly as you can. <laughs> I'll give my prediction. I, I obviously think the Knights will win, but the reason I actually think we'll win is because I think after the forward rotation, I think uh, Caitlin Johnson, um, Millie Boyle, Taylor Predabon, I think that is the most damaging uh, forward rotation in the game. Uh, but I actually think the unheralded, the unheralded player in Kira Dib uh, is the reason that we'll get for Sunday. Uh, I, I think she scored the game breaker uh, on Sunday against the Dragons. You know, 12 6 going into half time is a completely different game to 18 6. And also, because Kira is our goal kicker, is that right? Yep. And she just she's, doesn't miss him, does she? She's nailing him, mate. So, and I, I think. I, I, Kira, I sort of feel, plays like she's got a chip on her shoulder this year, both seasons. Uh, and I think that goes back to the fact that no one wanted to select, uh, uh, sign her for the 2020 season. And every game she goes out there, she feels like she's got something to prove. And that's As called by Bay 53 in the preseason podcast. Correct. And that's the player. And of course, you know, of course, you know, Rick Moranis didn't want her playing in the boys' side, and then now she's playing in the boys' <laughs> yeah, side. Sorry, that's, that's a little bit. Sorry, little guys. Uh, no, she, and I think I think she's immensely talented. I think she, she, uh, yeah, as you said, Carlo, she, you know, she adds so much to that team. That's and because that, that's the player you want playing for, and because people are sort of uh, Tamika Upton, Millie Boyle, Jesse Southwell. I think that's where Kieran is. And I'm putting her to, I'm, I'm backing her to whatever the quiet Churchill equivalent. Boys, I, I know that um, Snaggy wants to go for a quick slash. Do we want to take a, uh, a two minute break and uh, and reconvene? I've actually gone already. It's, it's, it's seamless. <laughs> I'm, I, Carl, I'm going to say, you know, you know, podcasting as long as I have you got to hide your, uh, your your piss takes, uh, whether they be literal <laughs> or verbal. So, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. the, the episode is definitely deteriorating, so we definitely need to transition from the uh, from the women's game because it sounds like we're in the um, the, the low level mindset that we need to be in to um, to talk about the men's. Game. 